You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. This week... I would like to start with a note a woman named Mari posted in the Menopause Feisties page. She wrote, Because of this series, specifically the most recent podcast, Joy Goals, my attitude towards menopause is changing. I've always had a sense of dread and doom along with this expectation that I was to just stop being active or taking on new challenges at a certain age. Since listening to this podcast, I am not only accepting menopause, but embracing it. I now feel like I have an army of feisties behind me, helping me move forward, and it is incredibly empowering. New challenges await. Thank you, Celine, for tackling such an ignored subject. You are awaking a strong force within each of us. And this, this is what it's all about. We are stronger together. We are stronger when we're not silent. We are stronger when we are seen and we are heard. And while I always feel a little bit annoying when I'm like, hey, rate the show, share it with your friends, follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, it really makes a difference. By doing those three things, rating the show on iTunes, sharing it with your friends, and following us on social media, it shows the world that we're here and we're a force. It helps us continue this show and book great guests and, well, eventually take over the world. So keep it up. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, a little warning this week. This show gets a little bit heavy. This week's guest is Dr. Pam Peek, a physician and public health expert I've had the honor of working with for more than 20 years at Prevention and other magazines I've worked for over the years. She also has her own podcast, aptly titled Her, Learn the Naked Truth About Her Mind, Her Body, and Her Life. Importantly for this show, Pam has also conducted some groundbreaking and award-winning research on the relationship between belly fat distribution, trauma, and stress. She alerted me to a body of research, including a study from 2018, showing that trauma in your early life and abuse pretty much any time in your life can lead to more severe symptoms during menopause. And, well, I know many women, including close friends and family, who fit this bill. And if I'm to be honest, I've had my own share of adversity and abusive relationships along the way. As an expert in stress and trauma, Pam explains what is at the root of these issues, and we go pretty deep on what it means to develop resilience. Pam also pulls back the curtain on the medical community and makes it pretty clear why and how we need to advocate for ourselves. Pam comes with a list of credentials a mile long. She is a nationally renowned physician, scientist, expert, and thought leader in the fields of integrative, preventive, and lifestyle medicine. She's been named one of America's top physicians by the Consumers Research Council of America, and she is literally one of the most impressive women, if not the most impressive woman I've ever met. You can find out more about her and her best-selling books at drpeak.com. I think you'll get a lot out of this one. I hope to have her back now. On with the show. All 
I am very excited for this conversation. Um, okay, Pam. So I just listened to you have a show on menopause yourself, uh, where you talked about how nobody talks about the M word. So you are as high up in the medical stratosphere as I think a person can get. Oh, like, did you get my check? <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot of money I just paid you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's good. That's good. You're way up there. Let's be clear. Why Why do you think – I mean, you've been a doctor for a very long time. You've been in the medical field a very long time. Why do you think menopause has been left out of the conversation? All right. Well, you know, let's go back a little bit further. When I went to medical school, when dinosaurs ruled the earth, um, I'm not even kidding you when I tell you that in a major textbook in medical school, pregnancy was listed as a pathologic condition. And I, and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I read that and I went, are you flipping kidding me? So a bunch of us wrote the uh, editor and said, um, you know, dude, d how, do, how does it feel to be um, the legacy of a pathologic condition? How, how's that work? Um, and then they went, um, oh, my bad. In the next uh, uh, volume um, edition of that textbook, they completely redid it. This stuff, these stereotypes and this craziness has been going on forever yeah. um, I, for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's a cultural thing. And that cultural thing slices, you know, at multiple levels. So the first cultural thing is we have a stereotype about aging and we have one about death right so no one talks about death Shh, you know that's, that's like, true too. <laughs> let's not go to that place at all because death is a failure okay aging's a failure right how dare you grow a few wrinkles there you know what you do wrong didn't take the right supplements um whatever so when you come up with menopause now you you bump up against a major stereotype not just about aging but about women aging now that's a whole different ball game it's like oh the crone type looking you know she's so you know um she she looks as though you know she's over the hill she's of no service to anyone else now she's not fertile anymore blah 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 and and you know it also goes hand in hand with the aging thing that as of the age of you know 60 65 you're done you know, of course, the boomers are redefining all of that because they're angry and they're not going down quietly and they're learning to live a very different life. So on my podcast for the Herb podcast that I've done for a number of years now, I'm now trying to redefine this whole process. I'm saying, you know, the M word all over the place. Girlfriends and, and boyfriends out there, you know, menopause is a part of life. Okay, it's part of the journey. Your job is to optimize this part of the journey, no different than pregnancy, no different than, you know, having a menstrual cycle. There's no difference with any of this. So perimenopause, menopause can go on for, you know, that whole period of time can go on for 15 years. Honey, you better be enjoying the, you know, the journey. And the way you do that is through healthy lifestyle, mind, body, and spirit. All three of them, okay? And that's how you do it. So that's how I'm trying to redefine this. Like, stop it already with these horrific 
you know, uh, stereotypes. You know, just stop it. You know, anytime I start hearing that, I, I just do the stop sign with my hands. I go, uh-uh, um, no. Totally. You are doing preaching, it. You are literally preaching to a choir of women right now because that's why I started this podcast, right? Like, because when I hit, you know, started going into menopause and I started looking for things for athletic women and men, like, there was nothing. Like, nothing. And I have this giant group that's growing by leaps and bounds, like um, the menopause feisties, that these women, they're rock climbing, they're surfing, they're boxing, they are everything. Mountain biking, you know, they're not checked out by any stretch of the imagination. But no and nor, nor should they be. And, you know, I think now, you know, with your wonderful podcast and with our mutual messaging, um, what we're really doing now is we're creating a new narrative. This is a new normal. Enough already. Let's just, just, just put a stamp on it. I'm a physician, and uh, when, when we were taught about menopause, that was a quickie. Here's what I was told, okay? All right, walk into the medical... Walk into a medical suite with me, and this is what I was told. Oh, she's complaining of um, hot sweats and, you know, the libido thing, blah, blah, blah. Here, hand her this. And you know what it was? It was a uh, prescription for uh, a pill that was derived from um, mare's urine. Um, <laughs> oh, that. yeah. Sign me up. You know, like, what? And, and I said to myself, wait a minute. Each woman has such a unique... Uh, hormonal journey like I know for a fact Celine when you started your menstrual cycles when you were like I don't know whatever you were 12 or something yep, yep. you know and when I started mine I assure you I had a different journey than you did because I'm different you know maybe I had a lot more PMS stuff maybe you were like skipping right through it whatever why should then when a woman starts going through perimenopause why should she be treated completely vanilla the same as everyone else you get a prescription okay i'm done with the pills potions patches without a conversation and that means that you sit down and you honor that woman in front of you with enough time to listen to her journey and to her history to be able to create the appropriate blueprint and it's dynamic because perimenopause menopause is a dynamic process so you got to keep checking in with her how you doing with that maybe we should tweak this maybe there's a little refining over here whatever but if you don't have a doctor um, or medical care provider who's doing that you know pitch them and go yeah. find one that is i've heard so many people get blown off so many people i've, I've like they're talking about it in the in the facebook threads and stuff and i'm like you must get another doctor i mean it's this is the rest of your life, right? I mean, you're looking for you're looking at a very long period of time, and then I start doing research, and I find out that a lot of doctors, like you're mentioning, are never even trained in it, so they may not even know how to have the conversation. Well, here's the good news. Well, yeah, the no. good news is, Celine, is that there's more and more women coming through now. When I came through, Celine, I didn't have one female mentor, not one. Okay. Not even one. So I just, you know, did a lot of MSU, make stuff up. So I just sort of, you know, kept doing my, hits one of my trademark things. Um, so I just, mm, you know, and, and I get along with everyone. And so I just did my thing and I, and I did gut checks as a woman. 
And I'd say, hmm, that doesn't sound right. I got to tell you a great little, you know, anecdote. Um, when I was uh, a medical student, um, third year, and I was doing my OBGYN um, uh, rounds, right? Mm -hmm. So I was on that clerkship. So we had a, uh, a guy um, who was the head of the department. And what we were supposed to do was we were going through um, uh, learning how to be able to interview um, a patient when they came in. And in this case, this was going to be someone who was coming in with a little bit of abdominal discomfort or something. But she, it was a GYN kind of appointment, da-da-da. And so I walked up to her. And he was standing in the corner, you know, observing me with another, you know, professor. Mm -hmm. And I and I reached over, touched her, you know, tummy. And I said, tummy, I said, how's your tummy feel? And she goes, well, you know, blah, 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 you know. And of course, in the back of my mind, I'm coming up with a diagnostic, you know, uh, list of, of things that could be an issue. And I asked her some more questions the whole time. I'm saying, okay, um, and how's your tummy feel in the morning and da, da, da. Okay. So we're all done, and uh, this was, by the way, a paid model. So it wasn't a real patient. All right, so we, uh, so by that time, um, the head of the apartment uh, said, okay, it's time to come out in the hall. Let's have a little, you know, power. So he looks at me. I'm not kidding you. I come out there. I did a really thorough exam. I'm really good at this. I'm good with people. He looks at me. He says, that is not a tummy. That is, no, I'm not kidding you. Work with me. That is an abdomen. Oh, dear Lord. I said, excuse me? Um, and he says, you know, you diminish this, you know, uh, by calling this a tummy, you know. And, I, and um, he said, let's see how she feels about this. And so we walk into the room, and my job was now to refer to it as an abdomen. Um, so I walk up to her, and, you know, once again, I put my hand there, and I said, how, how does your abdomen feel? She said, what's that? <laughs> she didn't even know what I was talking about. Right. And I said, I said, your tummy. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. I was, I was speaking patient speak. Right, right. And, and he was chairman-splaining to me um, that, you know. And I'm like, so now, of course, flash forward, of course we say things like tummy and stuff. So have we made progress? Absolutely. There's more women in it. There's more women who get it. They're younger. They're hipper. Whatever. So, you know, I have faith that things are going to start changing in a big way. But the menopause thing, we got to push this sucker through. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the other. And I think that is such an important point. Like, it's a uh, and, and I'll be 100% honest. Like, I got a little panicky after like as soon as it was time to launch this thing which was only a month ago because of the age thing because i was like do i really want to put myself out there like this i could just lean back i could just pretend that you know i could just try to skirt around the edges i'm like don't be stupid <laughs> you know like this is ridiculous <laughs> like lean into it so um yeah but it is it's hard it's hard to like that's why i'm having this conversation because we spend, we could spend half of our lives. If you live to 100, or if you live to 90, women usually live into their 80s, right? That's a long time. I know, and you better be enjoying the journey because, honey, this isn't about a destination. All right, let's get clear about this. It's about the journey. And, you know, what you're doing is trying to do everything in your power to, to inject joy and to inject adventure 
and to inject badass, um, to inject uh, a sense of um, empowerment and control in your own life, be your best advocate. You want to inject all of that into this entire thing so that what you do is step back and say, you know something, I'm on this one. And versus, I'm just going to listen to a bunch of people around me tell me who I am. Okay, mm, 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 not working for me. Gut check. Do the gut check, and 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 trust your gut. So so let's let's move our way into something that is that is a an area of expertise of yours, an area I know that you work a lot in, and that's resilience. Right, a lot of your work goes through the lens of resilience, and we had a conversation a few days ago where you kind of you know tilted my world a little bit like when you you were talking about adverse childhood and community experiences right ace which is um abuse you know women who have been through and a lot of women have been through some sort of abuse in their life right um and women who have been through these adverse experiences have the studies just came out like way more severe menopausal symptoms and I would love you to talk a bit about that. Like, what is what's happening there? And then let's really help women who are in those waters. You know, like talk about the resilience and how to, how to find that. So you know, again, I'm going to start from a bit of the beginning because um, most people, uh, Celine, as I shared with you um, in our early conversations, have absolutely no idea what aces are. Those are I adverse. Didn't. Adverse childhood experience. Now, many people may go, oh, nobody sexually abused me. Nobody beat me up and, you know, I didn't land in a hospital or in, you know, foster care or something like that. Those are the obvious ones. The mass majority are not that. The mass majority actually are emotional uh, abuse. Emotional, meaning that verbal abuse being called names, um, being told, you know, face to face that you're not worth anything, that I don't care about you, that I don't love you. Um, emotional abandonment and neglect. Um, nobody shows up for that high school graduation, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, not checking in when uh, with you as a child and an adolescent. So this is, you know, this is really over the course of 20 years. And so during that time, um, people are going through uh, a lot of changes all the way down to their genes when they're experiencing this. And remember, these kind of experiences um, are in the eyes of the beholder. I could give you a situation where there's a, you know, a really negative, rotten divorce going on um, and, the, and the child is seven years old, okay? And I could have uh, 20 kids like that, okay, going through the same thing. I'm going to get 20 different takes on it. Maybe 10 of those are like, well, whatever, you know, um, we got through it. They both remarried. It's all good. Mm -hmm. And then the other 10 are a mess. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way it is. There's there's some innate resilience and all the rest of it. So where did the um, adverse childhood experience, you know, uh, uh, questions come from? It, it's really interesting. 
Uh, this came from a study that was uh, done at Kaiser Permanente, and it, it, it was over the course of about two years, 1995 to 1997. This was done by a colleague of mine who I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, speaking with, whose name is um, Dr. Vincent uh, Felitti. Mm-hmm. And well, all he was doing was he was just um, uh, doing a survey of people who've just had physical exams. And um, they were just, you know, doing confidential surveys of, hey, how's your health? What are the behaviors? Da, da, da. And they just decided to throw in something about the whole issue of adverse childhood experiences. So they figured, nah, you know, make it a little bit interesting, right? Oh, my God. What they ended up finding um, out of these 17,000 people, Mm -hmm. 17,000 people, was that at least one in three, okay, this wasn't one in 300. This was one in three was scoring um, a higher than normal, you know, ACE questionnaire. So if you just had one thing, you know, um, so, so, but mm, not so great with um, the mass majority of them. And this was jaw-dropping. It was absolutely jaw-dropping. So they didn't understand what in the heck was going on. So then um, he went and, and he looked at it much more closely. And then he began to, you know, he actually published the study, which now is seminal. I mean, everyone just says this is the study and, and back and forth. And it really looked at uh, every single aspect of abuse you possibly can. And then what it did was it said, well, okay, what, what does this really mean? What does it mean? How does it affect people? Well, a lot of people may have said, eh, you know, whatever. Um, okay, well, you had a rough time of it and really sorry about that. Here's the issue. All right. Um, you will have early death because of your A score. If your A score is high, you will have early death. Um, you will have more disease, disability, and social problems. Um, you will adopt very unhealthy um, uh, habits over time. So smoking is big time, addictions big time, um, overeating, food addiction, you know, obesity through the ceiling, diabetes through the ceiling, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease through the ceiling. I mean, when people were putting all this together, Celine, I got to tell you, you know, there you have it. Now, here's the thing about menopause. Let's flash forward about the whole issue of menopause because there was a recent study that just came out saying that if you had carried forth in your life, you know, higher than average, you know, ACE scores, right, um, that your journey through menopause was worse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, that makes all the sense in the world to me. For the following reason. Number one, the mass majority of people who have adverse childhood experiences never ever get help for it. So they're walking around with about a thousand pounds of emotional garbage. It's like they're dragging behind you, you know, a contractor bag full of hurt and pain and angst and depression and anxiety and, eh, you know, the, just the whole thing. And all the funky behaviors that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And you say to yourself, well, I'll just compartmentalize it. That was something that happened when I was young. Get over it. Move it right. along. Now, some people can do that. Some people can do that. 
Other people cannot. Mm-hmm. I will wage wager to tell you that the mass majority of people cannot do that, mm-hmm. um, that they need help. And so what ends up happening is a woman dragging around that stuff with her forever, and then she is, starts going into perimenopause. We have a saying now um, when we look at women going through perimenopause, menopause. Your journey through perimenopause, menopause will be defined by the mind and body that begins this journey. So if the mind is all burdened by chronic stress that's been percolating for years and years, you know, the little question, self-doubt, am I really worthy? You know, maybe my parents were right that I am just not worthy of love, that I shouldn't, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's already probably affected God knows how many relationships. And so you you drag that into a time in your life when your hormones are on the move. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to start weaning yourself from the sex hormones, um, primarily the master, which is estrogen. Mm-hmm. And estrogen, um, I'm, I'm actually a stress physiologist. Most of the work I did um, in my laboratory at the National Institutes of Health was done with stress hormone. And what we found was that cortisol, which is stress hormone, hangs out with estrogen. They're like buds, Mm -hmm. okay? So where one goes, the other one tends to go. This is why we're so special when we have PMS, okay? This is why, you know, you want to, you know, gouge somebody's eyes when you're really PMSed out of your brains. Mm -hmm. Because as estrogen's coursing up and down, you know, during those plateaus and all the rest of it, um, the, the hills and valleys of perimenopause, menopause, um, so also a stress hormone. And so can you imagine then that you're, you now have on top of the usual just normal hormonal fluctuations, mm-hmm. you now also have stress hormone that is percolating out of control at a high level that is interfering with all of this. Do you think you're going to have a good time in perimenopause, menopause? Not. Um, and no wonder the journey is so much of a mess. Um, so that's why everyone needs to just run on over to Google, you know, Dr. Google, and look up Adverse Childhood uh, Experiences, ACE, mm-hmm. and then it'll say ACE test. Mm-hmm. Take the test. Okay. See kind of, you know, have a little bit of an eye opener. And then there's a beautiful ACE um, uh, website. Um, that the CDC, our Centers for Disease Control, put up, which is just fabulous. Got all the research, and it also has the jaw-dropping um, uh, statistics and really beautiful graphics, real easy to read and you know, kind of wrap your head around about what this does to you. And you've got to get to the bottom of it. And I would personally say the mass majority of people, mass majority, need some help with this. In other words, you can't just sit home and go, well, I'll just sort of work it myself. Right. Mm, You know, mm. and so that's the good news, Celine. But as you also know, um, one of the latest podcasts I just did was with a fabulous friend and colleague of mine, one of the world's greatest experts on complex trauma and on um, this whole topic of of you know abuse and all the rest of it her name is dr christine courtois 
C-O-U-R-T-O-I-S. And um, she wrote a really cool consumer book called um, It's Not You, It's What Happened to You. So you take take the, sig- the stigma of, hey, it was all my fault. I was a bad girl. You know, I deserved all. The- no, 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 no. Don't go there. Do not do that. And so she also wrote the textbooks for providers. So she is someone who is working with the American Psychological Association um, to create something called the trauma-based therapist. Hmm. I can't believe it, Celine. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm totally weirded out by the fact that the trauma-based therapist is just now showing up. I mean, hello? That seems really stunning. Yeah. Where the hell are you? (laughs) You know? But it's because, you know, it's more stereotypes. Um, You know, the APA and others still look at things like um, ACE and the child, whatever. They throw it all into one term, PTSD, and, and they kind of acquainted to, like, what happened when you're in war with PTSD. I got news for you. It's different. Um, and you, you got to be very careful about that. So for anyone listening out there, the good news is um, there are trauma-based therapists now being trained, and they're showing up all over the country. Um, and uh, I would really highly recommend that if anyone really is looking for help, you're going to find a trauma-based therapist if, if they are a believer in EFT, okay? That's emotional um, uh, uh, facilitated therapy. It's emotions. It's emotions. So they go deeply into um, what, what has happened with you, and they, and they put you in touch with whatever that trauma is. They throw the... Um, uh, the stress of the ther- of the of the trauma, whatever it was, whatever the abuse was, whatever the ace was, and they and they throw it on the table and they say, okay, let's look at it, let's confront it, that type of thing, right? So there is hope. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. That's it's great to hear, and it's you know I'm thinking while you're talking that I I know a lot of women, uh, <laughs> perhaps one my I'm one myself, you know, who use exercise to to cope with stress right to to, you know and like to to be to maybe overcome a lot of adversity or to overcome addiction or overcome all that stuff and what I'm hearing you say that even if you have some of those tools when you hit perimenopause or menopause those tools may not be enough because suddenly like your stress is going up internally and if you have yeah 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 I completely agree, Celine. And quite frankly, I've done the same thing you have, which is, you know, you and I are both athletes. And, yeah. you know, I'm a triathlete. And you're everything. Um, <laughs> you're an iron woman. You're everything. Um, and so you're like a cyclist, uh, crazy person out there. I, I am, I- yes, that's true. <laughs> your, your idea of a good day is like, let's do a century. Let's just, you know, knock this sucker out. Um, and so... Uh, but, but really, that helps. There's no question about it. Um, but you still got to get to the bottom of it. You still have to... Here, here's what therapy does. What, you know, like this EFT, which is emotion-focused therapy, EFT. Just remember that. Emotion-focused therapy. Find someone who's an expert in this because they're everywhere. All right. Now, 
what they'll do is they'll say, there's your trauma, there's your gig, right? This is what it was. You can't un undo it, here it is. What you're now gonna do is you're gonna create a new narrative. It happened to me and I'm, I've survived. Now my issue is thriving. Okay, surviving is one thing and that's what a lot of people think is kind of the goal. No, it isn't. Thriving is the, is the holy grail here, all right? You wanna be able to enjoy your life. You deserve that. And so, you know, surviving is like, you know, gutting it out every day and, you know, sometimes just having those nightmares and, and you know that that thing's percolating in the back of your brain, but you keep shoving it away, but it's gonna affect everything. I'm here to tell you as a physician and a scientist, it erodes your immune system. It also, and uh, it, it is very destructive to your mental cognition and your focus. And it also leads to uh, earlier dementia. Um, and so you don't want any of this stuff. It interferes with all of those processes. I bet it hurts your uh, athletic performance too at some level, right? Oh, like, yes, I mean, it does. Yes, when yeah. you're talking about like dragging this thing, I'm like, you probably don't want to drag that for 26 miles, right? Like, I, no. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's really true. How many of you out there have ever done something athletic? And um, let's just say you're even just training for a marathon or a half marathon or whatever the heck you're doing, right? And, and you just, you feel burdened by stress and all this stuff, suddenly the stuff in that little thing that's percolating behind you, it just sort of bubbles to the surface. You tell me you had a good ride. You tell me you had a good run. Not, you know, what you did was you gutted it out because you had to. Now, what if you reframed it all in a way that made more sense to you, that was more productive, and um, something that really gave you hope, that didn't leave you feeling defeated and helpless and hopeless? Now you go ahead and do that ride and that run. Suddenly, man, you are just like flying. Um, and that's why, to your point, it's so terribly important to address these issues and don't just keep, you know, hiding them and throwing them under the carpet because it'll come back to bite you each time. Does it have to be... And I know the answer to this, but I want to, I want to hear your take on it. I mean, because so, so much of this is focused on childhood and, I, and I'm certain that the childhood experiences as you've alluded to before lead to later on experiences but you know women very often find themselves in bad relationships you know when they're older and I can't imagine that that would not have the same triple ripple, ripple effect you know into menopause and into all the stuff we're talking about than something that happened when you're six or seven or ten or Celine you're absolutely correct um, I brought up the adverse childhood um, for an interesting reason, which I'll get into in a second. Mm -hmm. But really, quite frankly, any time in life when you have um, something that in your perception is seen as abusive, negative, um, uh, you know, and, and very self-destructive to you, then you're still going to be carrying around the same amount of garbage there's yeah. no question about it. The difference with the childhood teenage thing is something quite interesting. 
Okay. And and this is this we're going to get into now. I put on my little scientist hat. All right. So we have a thing called epigenetics. Mm-hmm. You have genes. And then um, most genes, not all, but most genes um, actually have sort of a, a little dimmer switch on them. So you could do things to those genes to make them either um, upregulate or downregulate. So say, for instance, you have the athletic genes. And now, if you're in a family that says, oh, my God, she's so athletic, you know, let's just, you know, help her. And so you look at a Simone Biles as the greatest gymnast, you know, on the planet right now. So someone recognized her incredible gift and they nurtured it. So what do you think happened to those genes, baby? Those suckers were just like, yeah, you know, hello, Olympics, you know. All right. But at the same time, you could do the opposite. You could have great genes, but if if no one cares, no one nurtures, then nothing, okay? And so there's a lot of leeway there on a lot of these genes. So what happens is when a kid is growing up, when, it, when you have a child at whatever age, um, and then they're all the way into their you know teens, if you keep hammering on them with any level of abuse, you know, just chronic verbal abuse, chronic emotional neglect and abuse, I, you know, abandonment, blah, blah, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, all those things, whatever combinations, it doesn't really matter at all. What will happen is epigenetically, you've got very uh, important genes that are maturing, that are helping the rest of the body, the brain especially, um, uh, to optimize its potential. If you hammer them, then it's like Sisyphus trying to push that boulder up the hill. You, it's just impossible. You can't get it done. So if you don't think that that doesn't affect the brain, everyone out there, just Google brain scans of an abandoned, abused child. They are staggeringly astonishing to see what happens because the brain is developing. Newsflash, the main part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the biggest part, which um, has sort of what I love to call the CEO of the brain that helps you with organizing, planning, you know, strategizing, and really making good decisions and being able to rein in impulsivity and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that part of the brain does not finish developing until the age of 25. So if you can imagine then, if you're getting hammered with all this stress and back, do you really think you're going to have optimal development of that part of the brain? Not. And we've already done brain scans to prove the point. So what am I telling you? Is that you're not just dragging around emotional issues, but you actually have anatomical issues. Can that be remedied? Yes. After the fact? Okay. Here's the good news. I was feeling a little hopeless there for a second. <laughs> well, well, there's a, there's one caveat. Okay. Okay. If you were beaten to a pulp and ended up in an emergency room several times as a child, I can't undo that. Right. Okay? I can't. And so because of that, you now have what we call an epigenetic marker on you, and it's permanent, okay. which means that, you know... Through no fault of your own, because of what happened, you are now going to be more vulnerable to the issues 
of people with high ACE scores. Does it mean you're going to have to get them? No. But you're more vulnerable and you wouldn't have been so vulnerable if that hadn't happened to you. Epigenetics means that <clears throat> you have a gene and that gene should just be rocking and rolling and optimized, you know, throughout your life, nourished and, and nurtured and all the rest of it. If that doesn't happen and if it's super negative, then it leaves an actual epigenetic marker on that gene. And when that occurs, you know, it, it just makes it more vulnerable. So this is why you need to get help. This is why you need to come up with tools and a new way to be able to think your through, think yourself through all of this so that you can say to yourself, uh-oh, I'm, I'm starting to go to that place. Self-regulate. Okay, I'm going to regulate better. Ah, I feel better. Breathe through it. I'll tell you one thing, one word, mindfulness. Mindfulness will nail it every time. It will draw you back into the present. It will stop monkey brain from happening because monkey Women brain... Women have a lot of men monkey brain. Well, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I hear a lot about the monkey brain. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of what it is. Yeah. So... The first, I'm hearing, I just want to make clear. So the first step, if, if you are, like, if you go to that ACE um, survey and you're like, oh, that's kind of a high score, is to find your trauma-based therapist, right? Like, that's the... And the person who knows how to do emotion-focused therapy, right. EFT, yep. that is a trauma-based therapist. Okay. Now, what if you're just, what, what, if you're, what if you're not, like, high on that score, but you're feeling vulnerable, you're not feeling resilient in your life. Like what, what do you tell women, you know, then? Like if they are hitting these years and all of a sudden they were, and I hear this all the time, they were confident, they felt very secure, and then they hit this time and maybe it's hormonal or maybe it's all these things. Like where do you steer them to help them rock and roll again? Okay, so... You know, that's something I hear as a physician all the time. It's like I was totally cool. Things were rocking, you know, doing it. And all of a sudden menopause hit. And what? You know, everything I thought I felt control of is just gone to the dogs. And now I feel, you know, that helpless, hopeless, defeated thing again. Yeah. And, you know, how do you do this? Okay, girlfriends, here's what you do. First of all, all right, a little reality check. You've just gone through, or you're in the process of going through, one of the most important hormonal events of your life, okay? So the first one is when you first started having periods. Second one is pregnancy, whether you had it or not, whatever. And the third one is the weaning off, perimenopause, menopause, of the sex hormones, right? So this is a very big thing. So when pregnancy came along, I mean, what did you do? Go, oh my God, I'm so you know, freaking out, like, no, you're pregnant, right? you know, <laughs> it's a good thing, you know, yeah. take a chill, yeah. right, yeah. all right, and when you started having um, menstrual cycles, I mean, you sat around commiserated with all your girlfriends going, damn, you know, this is no fun, and, and that's okay, because guess what, you're all going through it, you're going to make it through, it's all good, no difference in menopause, you know, you got to readjust your expectations, do not think that at the age of 52, whatever you did when you were 40 or 35 is going to work. 
What you do is you have to fine tune it. So I'll give you one hint, say for instance, all right? One of the first things is you've got to keep your mind absolutely sharp, right? Totally sharp. So that means you've got to work your mind more now, all right? Learn new things, challenge yourself. You know, don't get lazy here. Um, just because I'm so good as a lawyer or whatever. Yeah, that's real special. But you got it. You know, it's like a mental gymnasium. You know what to do when you go into physical gymnasium. You get in there and you work it out. Well, you, you got to now, you know, pick it up now. Um, and so that's a, one example. Another one is, well, gosh, you know, and I and I ran three times a week and it really seemed to keep my weight down and I was really good and I was like a little sketchy with the you know, strength training and maybe every now and then. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> so hit the pause button, girlfriends, and regroup, reset. You are now in the menopausal, you know, uh, journey. So mm-hmm. this is where strength training rules. Mm-hmm. And, and we know this from the Cooper Institute and all the work that they've done over there. It's really interesting. After the age of 45, 50, Um, Strength training just becomes so important. Why? Because if you don't use it, you lose it. And girlfriends, you lose it fast after the age of 50. And what you don't want to do is end up in a situation where you got to rebuild the whole damn thing back again, assuming you ever had it to start with. So don't put yourself there. Um, Start really changing it up here. Of course, you're still going to do your aerobic, but it's not enough. You absolutely have to do some, what I love to call uh, cross-training. So, you know, it's also functional training. So functional training is what a lot of trainers are certified now to maintain people after the age of 50 in optimal shape as they age. Okay, so... What that means is um, you're going to now, instead of just doing, you know, three sets of biceps in the same. No, now what you're going to do is you're going to switch the body around in different planes. You're going to um, use all kinds of different movements um, and you're going to challenge yourself constantly. What I always remember for to tell women as they enter perimenopause, menopause, is the word challenge. Do not stop challenging yourself mentally, physically, spiritually. Do not stop that. If anything, you know, amp up your game here. Okay, get it going. That's the deal. So then you won't, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I got this. And fine tune your nutrition, you know, but it was what I ate when I was 35. Newsflash, you're not anymore. And you can't do that because metabolically you're different. So, you know, maybe now is a good time to kind of sit down and reassess, you know, how much you're eating, the quality of your eating, how you're eating, when you're eating. All of these things are important, okay? And then the physical activity I just mentioned. And then, you know, if you're not meditating or doing some level of self-reflection, notice I said self-reflection, it could be journaling. You know, you could take that... um, you know, kind of uh, walking or running meditation. There's a million things you could do. But honey, if you're not doing that right now, you're doing yourself a, a, a huge disservice because you need that. Because you're entering a really important chapter in your life where quite frankly, 
you know, don't ever take any single day for granted anymore after the age of 50. Because if you think tomorrow is absolutely guaranteed, y'all better be thinking about that one again. Oh. I, I, th- I feel like I have my marching orders. <laughs> That's right, man. You know, there's a small country waiting for me to take it over, like kind of like do an Evita thing, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I feel very strongly about this because I, I just, you know, I work with really great science. At the same time, you know, I've been at this for 30 years. I kind of got it by now. <laughs> yeah, well, and you live it, right? I mean, you, you, you live Absolutely. it. Absolutely. No you question about it. You still do triathlon yourself. Well, I mean, times of COVID is, is a little tricky, but. Yeah, I'm trying to score a pool right now, and it's very difficult because you literally have to reserve, you know, your space in a master's lane. I mean, how crazy is that? Um, it's just. Obviously, what you have to do in life is show <gasps> resilience. And resilience. <laughs> you just have to do it. Um, the other day, I actually, it was just yesterday, now that I think about it, um, I did something I've wanted to do forever. I just never, I was just about ready to learn how to do this in the gym um, when COVID hit. And so what it is, is my uh, trainer, who is just impossibly cool, he's a power lifter, but he's a kettlebell king. So he taught me kettlebell about two years ago. It's the best thing I ever did in my life because it's cheap and easy. You could do it anywhere, get your own bells, and you could do it at home, you know, outdoors, indoor, who the hell cares? Because it takes everything. It's strength, balance, endurance, flexibility. You do it all. I get your heart rate up. I am in. So he was uh, one day uh, I came in and he was doing something I had instant envy of i'll send you a video oh my gosh so he was flipping his bell so he was doing a swing (laughs) and as you come up to the high point you flip it grab the handles and you come down to the swing again i watched him mesmerize now i didn't want him where are his feet in this, uh, this configuration. Well, see, now, that's a very good question. So his feet are, like, as far apart as possible, yeah. um, to say the least. But uh, I tried it a little bit, but uh, I was terrified of dropping the damn thing on my feet, right. number one. And, you know, the floor in a gym is kind of bouncy, and I didn't want this big weight going bouncy, bouncy right onto my foot. So I was always too fearful because of the gym. So, given COVID, um, he and I work outdoors. Um, I have I have a I have some courtyards where my home is. Um, my home surrounds the courtyard, so it's a really safe, wonderful place. We went right outside the courtyard onto my landscaping, so I have all this grass. So I said, "Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it." Okay, I grabbed that thing, and um, after some epic fails, um, <laughs> really entertaining. Um, uh, what, what I did was I finally literally got, got into the swing of it and I did it. I did. Oh my God. I felt like a little girl who had just learned how to bike, you know, where you finally get rid of the, you know, trainer wheels and like, you're just killing it, you know? So I did it. I flipped my bells and I kept doing the swing and stuff. It was more fun. And um, when I send you the video, you'll just sit there and go, OMG, because I look like a little kid afterwards, this big, huge smile on my face. That's awesome. But that's joyful. And you know what it was? It was a mental and physical challenge because I had to be all in, mindful, focused. My question to everyone out there is, 
What are you doing to do something like that, which is also an adventure, joyful, challenging. It's kind of everything. It's a package deal. Find ways to be able to do stuff like that. It's yeah. just the coolest. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's that's a great way to wrap this up because I think, uh, I, and I've had this conversation with other with other athletes, with other just recreationally active people, I think sometimes what happens is, say you're a runner, say whatever you are, you, I think it's easy to lose your mojo a little bit when, like, this thing you've always done, maybe it's getting a little harder, you're getting a little slower, whatever, and then all of a sudden, like, the joy factor might be mm, on the decline a little bit, too, and, like, listening to you go, I, I'm going to learn something different, I'm going to try this thing. I think there's a lot to be said for doing that after 40, after 50, after whatever, right? Like, Well, there's no question. Always. Never stop it. Never, ever. You know, one of my um, icons forever, you know, my life is Georgia O'Keeffe. Mm -hmm. And I remember visiting her homes, um, especially her main home in, in Santa Fe. And, uh, you know, and I learned everything I could about her because, of course, I've been a super fan for a, a zillion years. And, you know, she just kept it rocking. You know, I looked at her studio and how she painted and, and back and forth. And then all of a sudden, her uh, vision uh, changed up big time. I mean, I think she had macular degeneration oh, or wow. something like that. Yeah, you know. But the good news was, um, relatively speaking, she had it much later in life. She lived to almost 100. And so instead of sitting around and doing, you know, the bitching, moaning, and whining, you know, and saying, uh, you know, I can't see my damn canvas anymore. You know what she did? Mm. She picked up sculpture and pottery. Oh, wow. Sculpture and pottery. So what she would do is she would just use her hands because what was left was, you know, she could feel. So if her eyes were out, her touch was, was totally cool and her touch became even more keen. And when I went into her house, I saw all this beautiful pottery she had done. Um, it's just gorgeous stuff. That's amazing. And, and here's the joke. She couldn't even see it. <laughs> but she could feel it. Like yeah. she could... Yeah. So, you know, what's wrong with that? Nothing. You just keep moving it along, boys and girls. You move it along and you just keep, you know, adapting uh, and making it work for yourself and squeezing out all the joy you can because, damn it, it's a joyful adventure if we choose to make it so. Okay, that's our show. Join me next week for my conversation with sports nutritionist and dietitian Leslie Bonsi, owner of Active Eating Advice and sports dietitian for the 2020 Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Leslie is a longtime expert on gut health and plant-based eating for performance. So we take a good long walk through plant-based eating for active menopausal women. Whether or not you're vegan or vegetarian, you'll find plenty of takeaways here on how to eat for optimum health and performance during this time of life. So, see you next week, and until then, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. 
And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.